as we're talking through these questions, these are, these are important because either you're asking this question and you're coming because you're trying to figure it out, or someone you know is asking this question, or maybe someone you will know is asking this question, right? Like the, the kinds of questions we're dealing with are important. So even if you hit a moment where you're like, I don't know if this is for me, it's still for you because it might be used through you for someone else, right? And tonight, we're asking a crucial question to finish off the summer. This is almost like the question we should have asked at the beginning, but I'll forgive whoever made the series, Kyler. Um, the, the question tonight, is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus the only way? And th- this question is important because if Jesus isn't the only way, then what are we doing here? Like, if Jesus isn't the only way, there are so many different ways you could be spending Thursday night, and some of you are like, don't worry, I will. But, but there, there's so many ways you could spend your life than doing this thing here. If Jesus is not the only way, then why go tell people about him? Like, why put up with all this stuff? Why not just go do something else? If he's not the only way, then, then why waste your life on this? But listen to me, if he is the only way and you miss him, then you don't just waste your life, you miss out on eternity. Like if he is the only way and you, you try to sidestep him or, or kind of just tack him onto the side or whatever and you miss him, yeah, you can spend your life however you want and again, miss out on eternity with, with the one who made you. So, so the, the question we're dealing with tonight is like, hey, do you want to waste your life? you want to waste your eternity? I don't know if any of us want to waste either of them, right? If you want to waste your life, say, yeah. No, no, you don't say yeah. Don't say yeah to that. That was a trick. Sorry. Uh, okay, this is an important question, and, it, and it's important to me um, personally because I, I used to be an atheist. Like, I was not a Christian. I'll tell you a little bit of my, more of my story later, but... But the, this question is, is deeply personal because my answers changed in my life. And, and maybe your answer tonight might change too. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through some alternatives. If you and I were to sit down and you were to say, no, Jesus is not the only way, here's some of the things that you might think or might say. I just want to have a conversation about those. And then we're going to let Jesus speak for himself and see what he says and try to understand that. And then what that means for us. Does that sound good? Someone say, yup. Yep. That was your time to say, yup. You missed it. You, I know you got tricked in the last one. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I want to pray together because what we're talking about is, is important stuff. And I'm not going to pretend I can like, convince you or trick you or manipulate you into something here. We need God to show up if anything's going to happen, okay? All right, let's pray. God, we need you. We need you even to want you, even to understand you, even to to begin to wrap our minds and our hearts around what you're like. And so for every one of us in this room, would you begin to open up our eyes to, to the light of who you are? Open up our ears to hear and understand the good news of who you are and, and begin to free up our hands to live in light of, of who you say you are. And tonight, if we're, if we're coming in with distraction or with fear or with skepticism, would you just meet us in those places too and begin to, um, begin to loosen up those, those hard places in our hearts? Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Let's just start real quick with, if you were to hear this question, is Jesus the only way, and say no, a couple of things that, 
that I, I've sat and, and talked across the table with someone about, okay, this is, what, this is what people had conversations with me about if you were to say, no, Jesus is not the only way. I think there are kind of four, four alternates here. The first one is saying, no, Jesus is not the only way. He's a way, right? Like, like maybe you've heard, maybe you've believed, or, or you know people that, that would say, Jesus is just kind of one way among many. All religions are all kind of just trying to climb the same mountain and take different paths. Like, why get caught up in the details? Why get caught up in people switching religions when it's all sort of the same anyway? And, and that's kind of appealing, right? Like, for one thing, yeah, I actually do want us to be humble people that, that respect each other's religions, that try to understand and comprehend, that don't quickly kind of just cast people out for believing or thinking something different. And in fact, there are things about different religions that, that when you begin to study them, man, they humble me. Like, I've got Muslim friends that pray more than I do. I'm humbled by their devotion and fasting during Ramadan for a month. I've got Hindu friends that are, that are open-minded and trying to understand. So, so I, I could get it if you were to say, listen, aren't all religions just trying to teach you how to be a good person, how to connect with God, and it might be different for different people. But, but here's the thing. It, it might feel like, okay, yeah, on the surface we look different, but, but underneath we're kind of the same. But if you take a step deeper than that, if you really respect other faiths and try to understand them, you start to understand actually, we, we really are different. Like, if I'm in humility going to actually respect people of other faiths and religions and understand what they think, I'm going to find serious differences. They, they contradict each other. That's not me being a jerk. That's me trying to be honest and say, listen, if, if some religions say there's one God and some religions say there's lots of God and some religions say there's no gods, those all can't be true at the same time. If some religions would tell you that, that you only live once and that life counts and others would say you're reincarnated over and over, those two can't coexist. So again, it's appealing to try to say, hey, in humility, we're all, we're all just trying to find God, like we're all really the same in Jesus' A way. But, but I actually think if we take each other seriously and respectfully, we have to hit a point where we go, these can't be the same. In fact, part of my story was exploring other religions and, and hitting a point where, where they start to not quite line up. And I could either pretend we're all the same and not take them seriously or, or I have to figure out what's true. And when we listen to what Jesus says later about himself, we're, we're put at a crossroads, we're put at a decision point. We can either take Jesus for what he says he is or we can try to sidestep him and just call him an option when he does not give us that option. So again, if you're, if you're coming in here going like, man, aren't, aren't we all really the same? Can't we get along? I'm going, yes, we should get along and we're not all the same. And, and the humble, respectful thing to do when it comes to people of other faith is acknowledge that. Jesus doesn't give us the option of being a way. That, that's off the table for us. So... So maybe, maybe Jesus isn't the way, maybe he's not a way, but maybe he tells you about the way. Isn't it all just about being a good person? Isn't, isn't that just it? Like, isn't, at the end of the day, isn't it all just about being a good person? Like, don't get caught up in all of this, like, religious stuff. Aren't we all just trying to be good people, and that's what Jesus taught anyway? Like, I'm, I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you believe that or said that or whatever, but, but I, I think that's a, a common thing that we've heard 
a common thing that maybe we've even said and believed, like, why get caught up in the details? Just be a good person. That's what Jesus wants for you. And, and again, guys, if, if more of us obeyed what Jesus said, I think we would actually be better people. <laughs> like, honestly, if we took him seriously, I think the world would be a better place. There would be more good people in the world if we really started following what Jesus has to say. That's true. And I was kind of thinking through this, like, okay, if that was, if that was the thing that Jesus was saying, how would I go about trying to be a good person? Like, how would I measure that, you know? How, how do I understand what it means to be a good person? And sometimes we would say, well, as long as I'm kind of doing better than the people around me, like, as long as I'm not the biggest dirtbag in the room, I'm doing okay, right? But, okay, this is maybe just my weird brain. Here's what I got to. It's like, okay, if it's about being a good person, and if I can kind of measure myself on a sliding scale with the people around me, what I need to do is find the worst friends possible, right? I'm talking some serious, just messed up people, and then I will always be the best dude in the room. Foolproof? Someone's like, how, okay, hold on a sec. Let me catch up on the notes here because that sounds great. No, okay, that's a bad idea because then your friends would suck and that's not fun. And, dude, then I would be the judgmental jerk who's like trying to be like, okay, you suck, you suck, let's be friends so I can be good. Like, I'd be manipulative too, right? That's not a great option there either, okay? And if, it's, if Jesus is really just trying to tell you to be a good person, what are the kinds of things he says? People of, of many faiths and many backgrounds would read Jesus' teaching like in the Sermon on the Mount and go, man, if we live this way, the world would be a better place, which I agree with. But some of the things he said were like, hey, you've heard it said don't commit adultery, right? Don't cheat on your spouse. But I tell you, if you've looked at a woman, if you've looked at another person with lustful intent in your heart, you've committed adultery. Okay, crap. So I can't just not only not cheat, I also can't like have anything like that in my heart. That, that's kind of up in the ante. Or you've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you, if you've, if you've had unjust anger against your brother in your heart, you're a murderer. If you call your, your friend, your brother, an idiot, you're liable to the flames of hell. Quote Jesus. <laughs> Crap, right? I'm trying to be a good guy, Jesus, and you keep pointing out that, that actually your standard is way higher than I can pull off. Because it's not just about how hard I can try to, to keep it together or prove myself to other people. You're actually trying to deal with a heart level that I haven't figured out. And if you have, teach me how, but... I don't know if you have. Those inclinations, those desires, those struggles on a deep level, not just the surface, Jesus cares about. So if you're saying Jesus is telling you the way to just be a good person, but you actually take Jesus seriously, he sets an impossibly high standard. So either you can reduce his standard and try to take Jesus out of it and, and come up with a different definition of good, or you're stuck with a bar that is too high for you to meet. And if you're going to define your own sense of good, then, there, then it, we get to this crazy illogical place where none of it matters or means anything anyway. That's not a good solution for your life. Again, it, if we're going to try to say that Jesus just tells you the way to be good, that's an impossibly high bar that you can't meet. So Jesus just doesn't give us the option of being a way. And he's not just telling us the way of just try hard enough to be good enough. Here's a third alternative. 
if you and I are sitting down, maybe this is how the conversation would go. Maybe you'd say something like, no, Jesus isn't the way. In fact, he's a bad way. Maybe the things that you've experienced in your life has, has been religious people, Christians, like even guys that would stand up and preach that have been um, manipulative, that have abused people. Or at the very least, you've watched religious people be judgmental, be, be the first to, to bring someone down. And you're looking at some of that and you're going like, this is not a good way to be. In fact, maybe even the idea of, of following Jesus would cost you your friendships and your community because of the people all around you are going like, no, this is terrible. This is not a good, good thing. Whether it's your experience or your community, the answer you have is no, Jesus is a bad way. Now, let me just say this. Just because someone has used a good thing, a bad way, doesn't make the thing itself bad. Like if I take a brick and smash your car window, you're not like, all bricks must go. Tear down Coe College, Iowa State, there's a lot of bricks there. Hospitals, all bricks are evil. Get them out of here, right? Screw all the bricks in the whole world. That's my position. No, okay, you wouldn't say that. Or, um, you know, being in Cedar Rapids, the derecho, you guys heard of derecho? Someone say, yup. Yeah, there were some serious yups there. If you're not from around here, uh, Google it. I live on the southeast side. We didn't have power for about 10 days, right? Lucky? Ooh, man. Uh, my, my, my daughter was like six months at that point, something like that, trying to nap with chainsaws going. Turns out chainsaws and babies napping are not a good combo. Don't know if you've heard. So my wife and daughter left. Um, they're back now. That, was, that took a weird turn. Okay. <laughs> They're back. Yeah, we, we got power. It's good. It's good. But listen, with the, with the trees and the damage, my solution wasn't, I hate all the trees, right? I'm not on a campaign to burn down the rainforest because some trees smash houses, right? I dig trees. Trees are cool. Yeah, you can write that one down. Um, listen, just because, just because a good thing is used a bad way doesn't make the thing itself bad. Like maybe the thing you're rejecting is not actually Jesus himself, but a misuse, an abuse of who he is. And that would be tragic, actually, to miss out on Jesus because somebody misused his name. If, if a knife is used to threaten you in an alleyway and take your wallet, I don't want you to fear a doctor who's trying to perform vital surgery on your soul just because he's holding the blade. And I don't want you to miss out on Jesus even if following him would upset the plans you have for yourself, the direction you have for your own life. Because let me tell you, for every people group and culture, Jesus does confront us on some things. Doesn't matter where you are or when you've lived, Jesus will confront you on some things. But that doesn't make him bad. In fact, even more so, this might be overkill here, but if you look historically, the last 2,000 years, the places where Christianity has taken root, people flourish. Like, I kid you not, you can, you can look up studies from people who are not Christians on how literacy has increased, how human rights have increased. People going and sharing the gospel see situations like, like baby girls being murdered just because they're girls and saying, hey, that's not good, let's stop that. 
or women being burned alive because their husbands died and they said, well, you gotta get reincarnated with him, Let's, we gotta kill you too. Human sacrifice happening in, in, I mean, Polynesian islands and stuff I was reading about recently, like the places Christianity takes root, humans actually flourish, like across a mass scale. Even from a, a Western lens, some of the things that we would call human rights and values, valuing people as people because they're people, just they've got value, that's a Christian idea. That didn't come out of nowhere. So you're swimming in, in possibility, in freedom, in values that are actually built on foundation that Jesus laid, even if you didn't know it. It's one thing to say, man, I had a bad experience with someone in religious authority or, or my friends, I w- it would actually cost me dearly to follow Jesus. That, that might be your experience for sure. But when we take a step back and look at actually what Jesus does, when he takes hold of a life and a heart, and it doesn't discount your experience, but it writes a different story. Maybe someone has used a good thing a really bad way in your life, but don't miss Jesus because someone has misused him. Let me say that again real quick. Don't miss Jesus because someone has misused him in your life. Jesus doesn't give us the option of being a way. He's not just telling us the way to be good and and he's not a bad way. But here's the, I think the fourth thing, and this might apply to many of us in this room. You've been nodding along, you've been agreeing, yep, I get it, yep, Jesus, cool. I'm at Salt Company, I get it, what's up, Jesus, um, maybe what you, you functionally believe, you're not saying it, but you're living it, what you functionally believe is that, yeah, Jesus is the only way, and I gotta work real hard at this thing. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus is the way, and I better, I better work hard to be right with God. Like, if I looked at the, at the Christian walk that you were trying to live, It doesn't actually look like the things that Jesus is offering you, like joy and peace and hope and freedom to enjoy him and follow him. It looks like duty and drudgery, despair. Like your Christian life is more frustrated than it is free. Even maybe if you were to be honest with me, again, we're sitting across the table and and I ask you to close your eyes and imagine what, what God thinks of you what he feels about you, the words that would come to mind are disappointed, frustrated, (laughs) like he's okay with me because I've been trying really hard lately. If I would ask you how your faith is, the kinds of things you'd say is like, man, I've been reading my Bible so I'm doing good, or my prayer life's not great. Like on a functional level, you're saying, yeah, Jesus is the only way plus my hard work. And let me just tell you, that's a recipe for Christianity that sucks. In fact, maybe actually you walked away from Christianity, you don't call yourself a Christian anymore because the only example you saw of Christianity was a Christianity that sucks. Just people trying real hard, falling on their face and kind of frustrated. I'm telling you, you might be not consciously rejecting the stuff I've been saying, but functionally the way you live and the way you try to relate to God and yourself and other people is Jesus and your hard work trying to top it up. 
yeah, yeah, Jesus, you did enough as long as I'm doing my part too. That's not what Jesus is offering. That is not what he has for you. That is not what he's promised you. That's not what he's invited you into. Let's let Jesus speak for himself. John 14, 6. We got a couple of verses, just a couple of verses we're going to go to tonight. John 14 is part of this sermon that Jesus is giving, this lesson he's given to his his followers right before he's crucified. He's kind of laying it all out and, and everything for them, and he's talking about the future. Cal, you spoiled it. You, told, you showed it already. There's the answer. Okay. Um, listen to me. Don't look at the screens. Forget you saw that. Um, he's telling his followers about heaven, and he's saying, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I have a future for you. I have a hope for you. And they're like, okay, we don't know where you're going. Like, what are you talking about? We still don't get it. You've been doing miracles and you've been teaching, but what are you saying? They, they say, show us the way. John 14, 6. Hey, Shooter, put that on the screen for me. Thank you. You guys don't know Cal's name is Shooter? Y'all know that? Okay, you can call her Shooter from now on. Great. John 14, 6. Listen. Jesus said to him, one of the disciples asking this question, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say a way or a truth. He says the way. That is a bold, confrontational, exclusive kind of statement, isn't it? Someone say exclusive. And it can feel like sometimes the message of Christianity is like, Jesus, the only way? Like, really? Now, again, if we take him seriously, what he says, that is what he is saying. I, I think uh, Jordan told me, Jordan Howell said, there's this thing about Christianity where it feels like it's the most exclusive religion from the outside, but actually it's the most inclusive I liked that language. I think you said that. Either you said it or I said it, but one of us sounds smart. Um, I I just want to take a a couple of verses and and spend some time understanding what Jesus means in this sentence, okay? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're going to just spend the rest of our time in this spot. Romans 3, 23 and 24. One of Jesus' followers named Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome to unpack the things that they've been taught, to unpack Christianity, and we get to read this, listen into this letter as he helps put the pieces together what, what this is all about. Again, it can feel like Christianity is exclusive. But look at verse 23. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news. There's some kind of religious language in there I need to unpack for you for a minute, but, but look at that word all. Someone say all. all. All right, look at the person on your right. Look at the person on your left. All right, somebody looked at you. You're all all, right? We're all here, all of us. Whoever's here, if you're here, you count in that. Doesn't matter your color. Doesn't matter your community. Doesn't matter your culture. This is talking to all of us. And, and for Paul, he was hitting the major social divisions they had, but, but it applies to us today. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone is in the same place. Okay, what is sin? 
Sin is related to this idea of the glory of God. I'm going to unpack that to help us understand what sin is. Someone say glory. Glory is this big kind of Bible word. We sing about it. Yeah, God's glory, whatever. Really what it's trying to convey is like, dude, this is going to get theological, but it's, it's the expression of like all of God's attributes pressed into reality in a way where you physically, tangibly feel like the massiveness of God's goodness and truth and beauty and holiness pressing in. The, the original word in Hebrew is like weight and light, which is, okay, weird. Like that doesn't quite make sense, but it's a sense of like pressing down and overwhelmingly bright and beautiful. And when people encounter pictures, just little snaps of, of God throughout the Bible, they fall on their face because they can't handle how beautiful and huge he is. They're crushed under his weight. This idea, even you maybe have heard the idea of fearing God. It's not because God is is bad or a bully that you're scared of, but that he is so big that he is overwhelming and crushes us. And the character, the attributes that are on display is God's goodness. Like imagine so much goodness that if you got around it, you're like overwhelmed and falling over because there's that much goodness just weighing down on you or beauty. I was in a country called Albania and I'm um, talking with Albanian friends and when they would speak English, they would use phrases that were kind of, kind of weird in English and they would say things like, man, that is too beautiful, right? And I thought about it, like, that's so beautiful. It's like hurting my eyes, it's too beautiful. They just meant it's so beautiful, but imagine something too beautiful. You looked at it and your eyes couldn't handle how beautiful it is. You almost had to shut your eyes. God is, is truth. He is the source of truth. Imagine so much truthiness pressing down you can't handle it again like language starts to fail us a little bit right it's just it's an expression of what god is like and and that big of a god is like like a black hole sucking in the whole universe pressing down he's that huge okay but the verse says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god Remember, we talked about how Jesus isn't just like telling us the way to be good. His standards are high because the, the standards are actually set at the level of God's character. God's, God's commands, God's rules flow out of his character. They're not like arbitrary. He didn't just decide one day what he wanted. They, they flow out of who he is. And sin in Greek is this word hamartia. Someone say hamartia bunch of scholars in here. I like that. Hamartia is an archery term. It means missing the mark. Shooter would know. Right, Shooter? Yeah, yeah thank you. All right. Missing the mark. The mark is set at God's character and nature. Okay. It's not just about being better than the people around you. It's not just about obeying arbitrary rules. It's about if you measure up to the standard of who God is, the standard he sets. And listen, that all that's applying to all of us is all of us have failed to measure up. Sin isn't just some like mistake that you, you made. It's not just like some, some little white lie you told. It's actually, it's an offense against a perfect and holy God. Do you remember the first time you lied? You remember that? 
Someone's like, no, it's been so many times, I don't know. Like, but, but think about it, like, I, I, I was, was trying to think of the first time I lied, and I remember this time in, maybe it was like first grade, and there was a lost and found at school, and there was this dope little orange action figure dude, right? I don't think he like moved or anything, he was just really orange, and I liked him. Um, and the, the teacher was like, at the end of the day, like, hey, whose is this, who lost it? And before I knew it, I was like, yeah, it's, it's definitely mine. Orange dude is mine. His, uh, his name is Steve. He's definitely mine for sure. Um, and teacher's like, yeah, great, cool. He's yours. Go for it. So I, I fooled one adult, winning as a first grader, right? That's a big deal. So I, I, my mom picks me up, and she sees this bright orange action figure. And she's like, oh, where did you get this? Because it's not yours. I'm like, uh, my friend Thomas gave it to me. He's a great guy. Thomas is so generous. Thomas gave it to me. She's like, okay, that's cool. Two adults I've fooled by now, right? I'm doing very well in first grade. Until the next day, when my mom picks me up from school and sees Thomas and his mom, and goes, hey, thank you so much for giving Nathan that orange toy. And Thomas and his mom um, both are confused and have never heard of Steve the orange toy. So I have no longer fooled my mom. And then my mom goes to the teacher and goes, hey, uh, how did Nathan get this toy? And the teacher goes, well, Nathan said it was his. So I have gone from fooling two adults to f not fooling those same adults and Thomas and his mom now know I'm a liar, right? This is striking out in first grade big time. And you might be thinking like, dude, whatever, it's just a small little toy, it's not that big of a deal, right? Like then why did I lie about it? <laughs> I lied about it because I wanted it and I didn't care if I was gonna bend the truth a little bit to get it. And, and you might think of that story and go, dude, that's whatever, just a kid, it's not a big deal, you didn't. But, it, but if God's standard is, is perfection in truth, you could say I've fallen short of that, right? Like, I, I was sinning. And not just against my teacher and against mom and lying about, about Thomas and his mom. I was sinning against God, ultimately. Because God is the source of truth. He loves truth. He invented truth. Like, I don't, I don't know the first time you lied, but I, I'd wager, wager money you have lied. Maybe it was about a sweet orange action figure. That's really cool. Maybe it's to try to make yourself look better. Like bending the truth just a little bit so that people think something about you, right? Like that first day of college where you're meeting people and you're kind of trying to decide what you're going to tell them. And maybe you didn't even bend the truth, you just hid some things, you, you just weren't going to say certain things. The truth was, it was okay to sacrifice that a little bit because you had other things going on. Whether it's lying, whether it's anger and bitterness, whether it's selfishness and using people to feel better about ourselves, whether it's, it's taking God's creation that he meant actually for his glory and, and, and using it for us, whatever it is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not on the way, we're not on the path, and, and ultimately we miss out on life because God is the source of life. That's bad news. But it gets better. Verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption 
that is in Christ Jesus. Someone say justified. Justified, justified is this, it's kind of a fun word to say, right? Justified. And, and it, it's kind of a bible word if you've been around Christianity. We talk about justification. To justify is to say something is good or prove something is right. Like you can, you can try to justify yourself. You're trying to prove that you're right or that you're good. And maybe even as I was unpacking the different ways of thinking about Jesus, you were, you were justifying the things that you believed in your mind. You were having a, your inner lawyer perked up and was starting to fight some battles against what I was saying. You were justifying yourself. But in this sense, they, saying all of sin influenced the glory of God and are justified, that's what's called passive because you are not the one doing it. In this verse, it's not about you justifying yourself as if your hard work or your effort or, or you being good enough could prove something to God. Listen to me. If you have sinned against a holy not God, the gap between holiness and perfection and imperfection is infinite. You cannot pay back a debt like that. You cannot work it off. It's infinite. Which is why the punishment is infinite. Hell is separation from a holy and beautiful God, the source of beauty and love and truth, and the opposite of that is horrific. And again, a sin against an infinite God, an endless God, a perfect God. That's almost more than, than we as finite beings can wrap our minds around. But this verse is saying they are justified by his grace as a gift, by God's grace as a gift. I love the word grace. Someone say grace. grace. I named my little girl, her, her middle name is Grace, Tia Grace, Tia G, right? Grace is beautiful. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? Getting what you don't deserve. It's not about being good enough. It's not about proving yourself. It's not about earning it. It's, it's receiving something you don't deserve. And he doubles down, right? You're justified. You're declared right with God by his grace. It's out of the overflow of his character, just what he's like, he chooses to justify. That comes out of him as a gift. Gifts are funny things, right? Like there are some gifts that are really gifts and there are other gifts that are not gifts, but that we call them gifts. Like, Sometimes if I got a buddy and I pay for um, like breakfast for them, they're going to get me next time, right? I kind of know that. They kind of know it. We'll do a little dance. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll get it this time. But it's like, all right, thank you, man. We're even now, right? I gave you a gift. You gave me one back. We're a square. That doesn't really feel like a gift, does it? Like I, I, I mean it in a good way, but we all know it's going to kind of come out and it'll be zero sum along the way. Maybe you got friends like that where it's like, oh, thanks. You got me this time. And I... I don't know if I can afford next time, so see you in a month, right? This is not that kind of gift. This is a kind of gift that is a real gift. You don't pay it back. You don't try to, to pretend like you can somehow earn it. If, if I give you a gift and you go, man, what do I owe you? It, it's no longer a gift anymore. Out of the overflow of God's grace, his character, what he's like, he justifies people. He says that they are going to be right with him. They're going to be able to enter his presence and meet his standard. And it's a gift. And the thing about a gift is, is one, gifts actually do cost something or they're not a gift, right? If I'm like, hey, breathe deeply for me. Just breathe deeply. You're welcome. 
Like, no, you could do that on your own. You don't need me for that. That's not a gift, right? No, no, no. That one was on me. Get me next time, right? Like, no. The, the gift costs the giver something. Otherwise, it, it's a cheap gift. And, and sinning against a holy God and falling short and deserving a punishment forever is not a light or cheap thing. So it costs the giver something and it's free to the one that gets it. Otherwise, it's not a gift. When God offers you a gift, he's not asking for you to pay him back because he knows you can't. He's not looking for you to return the favor. How can that be? Like, does God just kind of forget? Like, oh, no, you're sweet. I forgot. I, it's not a big deal, right? No, he has an infinite memory. He knows everything. Crap, right? He can't just overlook offenses against his holiness and his goodness. Look, look at this next part. Through, this is how he does it, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus. Something about what Jesus is and does accomplishes the payment for this gift and makes a way for you to have it. Someone say redemption. I don't know when the last time I used the word redemption in a normal sentence was, right? Some of you are like, well, I play Red Dead Redemption, so I use it all the time with my boys. Okay, you nerd, whatever. Um, redemption is not a normal term for us, but for his audience in, in Rome, they would have understood immediately what that meant because in their society, redemption was a real thing. Their, their economy was based off of indentured servitude. Essentially, they, they would call people slaves, and it wasn't about their, their race. It didn't have those overtones like we've had in our history. But it was a financial transaction where someone would say, hey, I can't pay this debt, or I need this sum of money right now, and so I'll work for you for a certain number of years and, and call it good. You're not going to give me like a paycheck, but I'm working off my debt. You give me food, you give me lodging, and, and that'll kind of be it. And to get someone out of that, you had to pay the cost. You redeemed them. That's, that's where that work came from. You paid the cost for someone else for them to get out. So again, everyone, everyone reading this, when Paul's original audience would have understood immediately, man, he's saying I was, I was enslaved with a debt I could not pay off and Jesus paid it for me. Like they would have understood, understood that right away and, and because I couldn't pay it off no matter how hard I try or how long I worked, they would have understood that's the kind of gift I can't pay back but the person that, that paid it for me, man, I owe him everything. See, the way Jesus accomplished redemption was he lived a perfect life. He did not fall short of God's glory. He lived in line with everything that he was supposed to be. He walked perfectly with God. That's why Jesus had to come, because you and I couldn't do it. We, we sang about the Lamb of God, right? He, he came to be a sacrifice. Without sin of his own, he chose to die to pay our cost, because sin against the source of life equals death. We've seen that from the earliest pages of scripture starting in Genesis 3. Sin equals death. Separation from God forever. So Jesus lives a perfect life in right relationship with God without any sin of his own. 
And what he was telling his disciples, even in, in, in John, where we were reading, is I've come to die and on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. It costs a lot to Jesus so that he could offer it to you for free. And in his resurrection, he proved it's done. It was paid for. There's nothing left to pay off. And he turns around and he offers you the gift. He says, do you want it? I know you couldn't earn it. I know you don't deserve it. I know you didn't do enough for it. Do you want it? Just trust me that, that I've done it for you and don't try to pay me back. Get to know me and walk with me as a response to this gift. But, but when you take it up, you are justified. You are right with God through Jesus forever. Paid for, redeemed, done, not a slave. A son or daughter of God. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's telling us the plan of God from the beginning is that he would be the way to God. Not just tell you a nice way to live, he himself in his life and death and resurrection is the way you get access to God. He's the truth about what we are like and what God is like, the expression of God's grace in action in redeeming you. He's the life, the source of eternal life with the source of life from the source himself starting now and going into forever. I don't know what kind of life you've been trying to live, but if you haven't been living real life with Jesus, you haven't been living real life. No one comes to the Father. God, the, the one that loves us and made us except through Jesus. There's no other way. Not that he gives us, he gives us no other out. So, so what does that mean for us? Ask him for a friend. What do I do with that? I think tonight, maybe what you need to do is accept the gift. Stop trying to prove yourself to God or to other people. Stop making excuses for, for how people have misused Jesus. Even if it costs you, it costs him so much more. Accept the gift he's offering by trusting Jesus did it for you. Believing in him, putting your hope on him, and letting him take you where he wants. Like tonight, that might be the response that, that you need to have. I think for others of us, the response we need to have is live a justified life. Someone say justified. justified. Stop living as if you're not justified. Stop living as if your identity and worth are on the line. Stop living as if you need to prove yourself to God and everyone else. Accept the fact that Jesus did it for you and walk in obedience in light of that. You are so much more free to obey God in holiness when you accept what he did to make you holy instead of trying to prove that you could be holy on your own. Stop trying to add your work to what Jesus did and respond to what he has done. You need to live in light of this good news. I also think what we need to do is share this news in humility because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, including you, including the person sharing it. We're talking about like, dude, I suck. You do too. We need Jesus, right? Like, it, guys, Christians get such a bad rap for, for beating people with the Bible and, and totally, that's not how it goes. And because at the end of the day, I'm a beggar who has found a banquet and I'm inviting you to come with me. 
It's not mine. I didn't cook it up. I don't have it for myself, but come with me. It's here. Let's go. Imagine if you started sharing with people like that as opposed to like, let me give you four reasons I learned at Salt of why you're wrong and I'm right. Like, and I do that all the time, guys. I'm a proud idiot. Jesus doesn't need me to try to defend him. He needs me to just tell people about him. And Romans 1.16 says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, the good news of what Jesus did, not my arguments and my fighter spirit. So I think some of us need to accept Jesus. Some of us need to start living what we've accepted, and, and all of us need to share what he's done. I told you guys I, I used to be an atheist, right? And I, I hated Christians, did not like Christians, didn't want to be a Christian, wasn't about it, anything like that. And, and some guys I knew came to know Jesus and started to change. And that freaked me out. <laughs> Because uh, they weren't just like good little boys trying to be good boys. Like they were changing and I could not rationalize it or argue it away. And, and for a while I was grappling with the stuff I was reading in the Bible about Jesus and, and, and what he says about himself. And I started exploring other religions because I did not want to be a Christian. And I looked at what they taught about what the good life is and what God is like and, and who Jesus is. And I kept coming back to what Jesus said about himself and what anyone else said and they weren't the same. I came to a point where it's like, all right, Jesus, either, either you are who you say you are or I gotta throw this whole thing out. But I didn't feel like I could become a Christian. Like if you've been angry at Christianity for a long time, the idea of becoming a Christian sounds just nonsense, right? And I, I, was, at, I was at something like this, sitting in the back. Um, I wasn't gonna sing. I'm certainly not taking notes because I'm not a Christian, not about it. And some guy preached like I'm doing right now, which if my old self would have sat back there and heard me, you'd been like, what is happening, right? This is ridiculous. Some guy gave a message I do not remember at all. But, but when the musicians came up and, and started leading worship, I felt like God was just tapping me on the shoulder. And, and, and I asked, like, God, why can't I become a Christian? What's stopping me? And I felt like he was saying... It's because of you. You want to be your own boss. You want to be your own way. You can't just tack me on. And you know if you try to live the way that you want to live, it's not going to work. So give up. Like surrender. Like bow your knee and, and submit to me as Lord. Like the offer sometimes that, that a person like me standing up here might tell you is like, Jesus is great, accept Jesus and you'll have a good life. But, but for me, the offer that God gave me is like, give up. Stop, stop running. Stop trying to do it on your own. Give up. And trust me. Imagine what would happen if you did that. Imagine what would happen if you started to live like a justified person. Imagine what would change in your life and your emotions if you let the grace of God be a gift and not something you try to pay back. Like imagine how it would feel to step into a relationship with a God that did all of that for you. 
And I know there's some stories in this room of, of some of you who've actually come to accept Jesus maybe this summer, even this past school year. Imagine how many more stories there would be like that. Not because we're going out and trying to beat people over the head with Jesus, but because of the invitation is, man, I, I'm a beggar and I found a banquet. Will you join me? Let, let's worship together this God that has done all of this. And, and wherever you're at, whatever you've got going on right now, would you, like maybe what you need to do is not sing, but do business with God. Like stand up, like you don't have to like kneel in the back or whatever unless you want to, but stand up, stand up with me and I'm gonna pray. That's like right now, go ahead. And, and maybe what you need to do is do business with God. And stop telling him what he's supposed to be like and stop telling him all the reasons why Jesus isn't the way, but let, actually let the good news of who Jesus is settle for a minute. Like I, maybe what you need to do is ask God, like why am I not a Christian? <laughs> or why am I not accepting the grace gift you've given? And for all of us, let's sing and worship like people who have an incredible God. Let me pray. Jesus, tonight you, you are, you're wanting yourself to be known and felt and experienced by people like us that don't deserve it. And so I'm praying tonight with my friends here who I love, I'm praying, Jesus, that you would be beautiful to us because that's who you are. And God, I'm praying that the weight of your glory would just press down on our hearts a little bit more and overwhelm our resistance as you invite us into relationship with you on your terms and not ours. Help us to respond with praise and with lives changed because of who you are and what you've done. Jesus, thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.